Welcome to episode 40 in my What is Life series of philosophical conversations. Uh, this conversation is with Prem Rawat, who's led an extraordinary life from spiritual prodigy as a young boy in the 1970s to global peace ambassador, addressing millions of people worldwide. He's the best-selling author of Peace is Possible and the founder of the Peace Education Programme. He's the founder of the Prem Rawat Foundation and works with people from all walks of life, showing them how to experience the sort of peace within themselves. And, and his you know, global effort spans over 100 countries. So he was someone I was very keen to speak with. Um, we're going to start with a little extract to give you a, a um, taster, and then we'll get right into the conversation. Uh, but I want to offer a little apology before we start, because we had a technical problem at the beginning of the conversation. The audio quality is not as great as I would like it to be. But within five minutes, it's rectified, and then uh, the quality is much, much better. So hang in there. It's worth it. Well, the real question I've, I, I, that I wonder, just as someone who's interested in human beings, is what was happening for you then? When you're on the big stage, and not, not a Glastonbury Festival, but all of that period of your life, where you're being seen in this way as this, you're projecting that, really, of this divine being, and now here we are having a chat and I'm talking to you. It's like, what was happening for you when you were all of these people were adoring you and like, what's that like? What, what was inside you and why did you change it? Well, the adoration has to be not for me. The adoration has to be for the infinite in them. But it was being directed very much at you. Of course. And I realized that that is transitory. Something happens and that goes away. That's not my point, that I had come to get adored. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for, uh, by the way guys, you know, I'm looking for some adoration here and you can go ahead and adore me. No, I wanted them to have a incredible, fulfilling experience in their life because I truly understood that this life is an opportunity to experience something, to know the self and to experience the divine. So, thanks, Brent, for taking part in this conversation. The, the thing that makes me do this is every morning I wake up, this is happening. And ever since I can remember, it's felt profoundly mysterious that this is happening. And I started wanting to have conversations with people who I suspected also had that sense that, what is this? So I started this what is life, speaking to people I found interesting to compare notes, to go, you know, but, you know, we were both in our 60s. And so we've been around the block a few decades. Here it is. What is it? What should we do with it? 
what's your response to, to, to that as a start-off for the conversation? Certainly. Um, well, first of all, thank you for talking to me about this subject. This is a subject very near and dear to me. And over the period of the years that I've been talking about this, many people have asked this question in many different ways. And for me, it's very straightforward. What is life? It's an opportunity. Just like a flower bloom, it's an opportunity. Like the sun rises, it's an opportunity. So what is it an opportunity for? And this is where everything breaks down. Because some people think it's an opportunity to make money. Some people think it's an opportunity to have a family. Some people think it is opportunity to do something and something and build the biggest bridge or you know, build the whatever it is that they want to do. All that's okay. That can be done. But the biggest opportunity here is twofold. One, to know yourself, who you are. And two, to experience that power that permeates everything. Not know the power, experience the power. Are they different things, knowing yourself and knowing the power? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that power cannot be, you cannot get to know it. Okay. Because you cannot, this nope. won't, this no, won't work. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for knowing you need this. Mm -hmm. So you can experience it. And what we do is we try to experience things we don't need to experience. In life, all these things we get after, we, we think that knowing yourself is trying to experience yourself. And we get across, but we shouldn't. That which should be experienced should be experienced. And that which should be known, because this is involved in knowing, Oh, I hear what you're saying. So, so you know yourself as you understand, like you understand yourself, exactly. but you directly experience that which is greater than yourself. Exactly. I really relate to that. Um, I think that's been... There was, a, there was a, a moment in my life when I was very young, and I was reminded, I'd like to ask you about it in more detail, of something in your book. Because I was 12, and I remember sitting on this hill, I lived in a little rural town, in Somerset, in West Country, Lane, and sitting there with my dog, and thinking like, this mystery and the suffering and death and beauty and what the hell, and feeling like all the grown-ups were like in some sort of coming line. It's like why was no one talking about this? No one at school talked about it. My parents, no one was talking about it, and yet it seemed so obvious. And then one day, doing that, something happened, and I was—it's the—it was the the like a, the, the beginning for me, on this strange journey through life, was that moment. And I felt suddenly like I was catapulted into the colours, everything was clear and bright, and the sky, and the birds. And the biggest thing I remember, because I wrote it down at the time, is this, like the whole universe was pulsating with love. Everything was like, wow, what's happened to me? And I had no vocabulary to understand it, and I think probably the rest of my life has been like, how do I get back to there? How do I go deeper? How do I talk about it? How do I understand it? 
And you talked about an experience. Was that the for you and Dara Dunn? Was that a similar sort exactly, of thing? Exactly. But you feel that. Yes. You just feel it. Yeah. Don't try to don't try to put define it. Uh huh. That is the biggest mistake people make. What is this experience? No, it is to be felt. This is all you can do. You're trying to know it. You're going to not succeed. Because you feel. And you feel without the constraints of concepts. That day, in Somerset, you let go of your concepts. So I would have agreed with you if you talked to me 10 years ago. <laughs> Probably. Well, definitely. But something started happening about 10 years ago where I started to think maybe that's not quite right. Maybe it's more, kind of to me, more interesting than that. Like it's not the letting go of the concepts, it's actually that you're perceiving something which is, maybe put it like this, like another thing which you talk about in the book I really resonate with is this idea, look, we've 14 billion years of evolution to this. So I mean, the way I love that is 14 billion years ago there was hydrogen. And now that's become you and me talking about the universe. That's, mm-hmm. it. that's awesome, isn't it? That, so given that we're in this massive evolutionary process, which is still happening, whether those experiences are like the next big step in evolution. And when you said, you said at another point in the book, you said about um, we don't know when people started experiencing this, but you can see the thread going through history. And a lot of my work has been following that thread and going, oh, that's interesting, and this person has been... And that makes sense to me. I think that's, that makes sense. Is the idea that just like there was a time when there was no language, and then there was language, there was a time when there was no re- reflective thought, and then there was reflective thought, and all these things have evolved, whether that ability to perceive something great, the one, the oneness, the thing which is in everything, is actually another. It's it's not that you let go of concepts exactly. It's more that you've learned. You find a new way to perceive, which is an extension of the things that allow you to perceive a glass or a camera or each other. Do you, do you, yeah, I, I completely understand. But my question to you then becomes: Do concepts? They of course they help you put it everything in the bracket. Give you some context. Yeah. But do they limit you? With the limiting concepts, I guess. But they also liberate you, don't they? They can also, but they allow can you also to, limit you. They can, yeah. You know. Yeah. So if I, if, if for instance, somebody, uh, I was just in Africa, and I was in uh, Zimbabwe, and if I brought somebody from Zimbabwe into this room, and said, "Oh, can you man that camera?" They would probably go, "No." Yeah. But that's because they think they can't. They actually have a capacity in them to be able to do this. All they need is knowledge. Yes. So then then that frees that person from having to sit with just one concept. Okay, but what you've given them is a whole load of new concepts, like how to work something. You have given them a whole load of new concepts, but they came with the concept that that was, the, that was the limiting concept. The limiting concept. Yes, yes. So yes. now they feel that they're incapable. And so we too have limiting concepts. For sure, yeah. And yeah. these concepts trap us. Yeah. So you look at religion yeah. in this world. 
And so many people are trapped by their own beliefs that they have, beliefs, not knowing, but yeah. beliefs that this is this way, this is this way, this is this way. Yeah. And what if heaven is here now? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but a lot of people will say, no, 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 no. It's after death you'll get there. Yeah. Right? So in, this is, I was talking about, you know, in, in, in Indian culture and in the Hindu religion, you know, get salvation. Salvation is to, to, to not have to come to this uh, Come to this again horrible place again. again. Yeah. And so somebody wrote to me, said, by the way, I'd rather find it very nice here. Yeah. That it's actually very pleasant. The sky is blue, the sun shines, uh, the trees are green. It's just beautiful. And this is exactly what Kabir says, that when the invitation of death came to him, he started crying. Because the joy and the contentment that you can feel here is not available even in heaven. Kabir, I love Kabir. It's so, beautiful, beautiful, so, so, beautifully put. Yeah, so this to me, we have to be very, very, careful of what concept is trapping us. Yes, so then it, become, it would become about, it's like, what is a concept, really? You know, it's like, it's surely, we're, how we perceive reality right now is through our senses, which, but our senses really are doing not, I mean, they're perceiving the light, say, but it's, it's putting everything in a category, which allows us to go green, chair, prem, water, Conversation, camera, time, you know, all of that. And, that. and we can perceive that. You know, one of the things I've often thought about is you know, if you took someone from the Amazon and you showed them a watch, they wouldn't see a watch. They would see a bracelet, perhaps, leather, perhaps, for the strap, circle for the watch face, but they wouldn't see a watch because they wouldn't have the, the idea of watch. And they would need that to see a watch. So that if the, the more we've understood about the nature of reality and, and we've developed that, sophistication, we can then perceive more. So we're conscious of more. Exactly. And it feels like in that moment where you suddenly, whether it's out in the world or whether you're going quietly within, and you perceive so much more, it, 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 it's like you're, you're able to perceive in a, in a way that you maybe couldn't before, or which is not very common, but which is emerging. I think there's more people now than there were, for instance. Yes, you know, all that's true. But we really have to be cognizant of what is limiting us. Okay. Because there is a freedom in not being limited. Okay, so do you think, so there's two ways of looking at that, isn't there? There's the uh, kind of more traditional way, which maybe is what you're saying, which is the only thing stopping you is what's limiting you. If you took away the limits, it'd be, you'd be there. And then there's the more evolutionary picture, which I've started to get interested in, which is, no, it's not just that you're limited, it's actually you need to evolve in a certain direction. It's a, it's a faculty you need to acquire. Not just, it's not just about removing something, it's about actually developing something. Okay, so there's one part of it that we need to know. I'm coming back to my yeah, yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another part of it that we just need to experience. Yep. Because by definition, that which cannot be created and cannot be destroyed, that which was, is, and will be, 
This is this is this definition according to Guru Nanak. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Was, is, and will be. Yep. Now, who are you in this picture? In this picture of was, is, and will be, you weren't, you are, and you won't be. That's an open question, of course. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Which I'd like to ask your opinions about, because I was interested in the different things you were saying. Okay, but we'll go with it. Let's yeah. go with that for now. Yeah, so saying that you are more than just the face, yep. you are your understanding of things, yep. you are a total sum of that, you yep. need your brain yep. to function, by the way, yep. um, and you need your faculties and, and, and all of that stuff. So, there is something that you can experience and something you can know. But if you try to cross them and try to experience that which you should know and try to know that which you should experience, you're going to have a problem. Okay, I'm, I'm, going, to have to, um, I'm going to have to sit with that division. Because I'm aware that everything, you know, I'm experiencing the seat in my bottom no, of the but, chair. But, 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 but the one that I'm talking but about, this that thing, was, this is, and okay. will okay. be. That is something you have to experience. You have to experience. That yes, is yes. not the chair. Yes, yes. It's I, in the chair. Yeah, I agree but with it's you. Not the I, chair. Think, I think I'm in complete agreement with and you. And so most people make the mistake of trying to know that. Yeah. And they try to experience things that is completely beyond them. They will never be able to comprehend these experiences. They can come up with a theory of why this is this way, but going even beyond that, this is why... Isn't that true of all experience, though? No. There is an experience that touches the heart, and it is valid, validated not by ideas, but by the feeling. I'm completely resonate with that. And so that, that was that was definitely my moment on the hill and what I've been exploring ever since. Exactly. I get that. But there's all you know the famous story about the mango with the, the, the you know how can you explore how can you describe the, the knowledge of God? Well how could you describe the taste of sweets and someone who hadn't exactly. eaten exactly. the mango. Mm -hmm. What's always fascinating me about well not always actually quite recently has fascinated me about that story is that it's true of knowledge of God. If, if someone hasn't had that experience how would you describe it to them? But it's also true of just everything, like, like literally eating a mango. So what we can communicate about requires shared experience. So if you're talking to someone and you realize, oh, they've, they've had that experience, you can start talking about it. You'll, you'll never capture it in words because words are just pointing towards things. They're ways of, of sharing. But, that would, but you, know, you could talk about how sweet a mango is to someone who went, oh yeah, I know that, I've eaten a mango. And the same to somebody who's had what I, those deep awake experiences. Uh, it's, it's a bit like this. If I ask you a question, if I have a mango in my pocket, and I come to you and I say, have you ever had a mango? And you say, yes, I have. I need not say anything. I can just give you the mango. Yes. And Rahim says exactly that. Yeah. He says, those people who haven't had the experience, and yeah. he says, when you talk about the experience of the infinite, yeah. it is like this. Yeah. That those who haven't had it would love to talk about it. And those who have it 
Say nothing. It's the Tao Te Ching, the first lines of the Tao Te Ching is the same, isn't it? It's right, he's about to say a book and he says, those who speak do not know, those who know don't speak. Exactly. And so I love that about what you're doing. I love that emphasis on experience. I think for me, you know, I'm, I am a, I want to understand the knowing, but I completely get that the centre of it is that direct, it, that's why I call it the mystery experience or deep awake. It's like you're, it's, it's so more and, and here's the here's the catch knowing yourself is much easier than experiencing that which was is and will so be. what do you mean by know yourself know yourself what does that mean for you? all your potential that you have oh okay. that the infinite okay. is in you the addresses so when you're creating socrates and things like that you're talking about knowing your individual nature Knowing you, who you are, as you live, yeah. the breath that comes into you, yeah, yeah. that keeps you alive, yeah. the infinite that is in you, yeah. because this ultimately is what you are. You are the joining of two incredibly opposite forces. They should never mingle, they should never merge, they should never be there. And that is infinite and finite. Yeah. You are about as yeah. finite as it gets. Yeah. I am as finite as it gets. Yeah, yeah. And in me, as an infinite, that as infinite as it gets. Yeah. So these two have come together and made me, made you, made this every human being on the face of this earth. So I, I, I've started playing with this word to try and express it. You talked about a universal self at one point, very briefly. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the self which is everything. Um, and I've started playing with this idea that, that what's emerging in this 14 billion year process of evolution is something you could call a univigil, which is an individual, but now conscious of the universal self, conscious of, the, of, the, of being the universe. So it's like, oh, hi, I'm Tim. I'm the universe's Tim meeting the universe's Prem. And you've, you're unique and have all of this experience I don't have. And here I am and we're meeting. And the shift that happens when you look into somebody's eyes and see that, that feels really like the leading edge of that 14 billion year process to me. And then what happens when one day Prem is gone? You mean what happens at death? Yeah, what happens? What happens? What happens to this entire spectrum of knowledge that has been accumulated that I came to the edge of then what happens? I don't know. What do you think happens? I can tell you what I think happens. But well, you yeah. tell me. Okay. So my experience of being around death... So now you know this or you believe this? Oh, well, I don't know anything. Really. So this In is your belief. If you, mean, if you mean certainty, yeah, certainly. then I, I don't feel... I, I, I can describe experiences as I had that experience. That's the sort of certainty. But in terms of how I understand anything, it's constantly evolving. And most of my life, I've been going, oh, I was wrong about that. Okay, about so, that. so it, it, in our, but also in our 14 so, billion so I'm looking of, for the best guess. I'm looking yes, for, like, what's okay. the wisest thing I can come up with right now? Well, I'm glad you're being honest and, about and I, it. And I really you know, hope that when we talk, you know, that you'll say something which makes me go, well, like this thing between knowledge and experience. That made me, I'll go away and think, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I'll get a bit wiser. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who just are not honest about this, this position. They're like, oh yeah, I know what's gonna happen. Yeah. And the thing is, as long as human beings have been on the face of this earth, 
Nobody has come back and said, oh, by the way, you know what that person was saying about, you know, what it's yeah. like up there. Well, that's not quite the true. A few people have, you know. No, no, no. I mean, in terms no. of near-death experiences, no. they haven't actually Near-death is not death. It's not, but they have come back no, with some very interesting death, tales. No, but I am talking about death. I'm not talking about near-death. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that there, is, there is a situation which is called, I nearly got into a wreck. <laughs> I think it's a but, little bit more than that. I think, there's a, I think you're not taking it quite yeah, seriously but, enough. But there is a propensity in us to want to believe that. There is. There is a huge propensity. There is. And that propensity has been perpetuated even to a great degree as we get into talking about this. Things that we need to experience just should be that experience. But you can have an experience, I think, around death. I mean, I would definitely feel that, where my, my, uh, what I found for myself is almost the opposite of that. What I found is, wow, when I'm around the death of my mother, I used to work with people that are dying, there's such a profound experience, and, it, and, the, and I had a spontaneous experience of connecting with my mother in a way that shocked the hell out of me one day. I was having a massage, for heaven's sake, and it was like suddenly I was in another thing with my dead mother and quite extraordinary so and then as somebody who questions everything it's like okay well what was that was it a dream was it an illusion was it real but it hit me with that same reality with which the universal self hits me and so then I find myself thinking well how could that be true rather you know is there a way is it just ruled out it could like with any other experiences I've met so many people I haven't had one who've had them and they're not to be taken lightly. These people are transformed by these experiences and they're very similar to each other. It's not like a dream, just a dream could be anything random. So my own, my own thing is, is I think we can come to understand how that is, how death is not the end. And obviously right now in our culture, in Western culture, that's very unpopular. We've gone down the route that the body is, the, the, the psyche, soul, is a byproduct of the body. But that's not necessarily the case. It might be more subtle than that. And it might be part of the evolutionary process, which has created so many miracles, that there is something which continues. There's a mother, your mother, mm -hmm. that lives in you. No, it's more than that. See, the difference, the difference is, Prem, is that the different, you know, definitely we carry the dead with us, without a doubt. The question then becomes, what about them? Now the difference between the, you know, if I'm carrying my so mother and me, this experience is, she, is she, you know, is she experiencing that? That's the key question. The, what you experienced of her, who was she? She was amazing. She was of every age. Yeah, before but who I knew was her. she? What was her identity? Yeah. Okay, well, okay, so this is a big question for me because I, I have a real interest in the nature of identity. So I'm going to try this really fast and hopefully it will make sense to you. I want to say something about time. What strikes me about this is that what I'm experiencing is a f of this is a flow of change in which every new moment arises from the past and implicitly contains the past, and every new moment is the realization of a potentiality that's never happened before. So it seems to me that the past doesn't pass, it accumulates. The information which has made everything for 14 billion years is now running this. So everything, so I'm meeting everything that Prem has ever been, but then everything which has given rise to human bodies, to the evolutionary process, right the way back to the ground of being, this, what, the thing which is in everything. 
so that your identity it becomes like this is a process we're in. So, and a process is a, has an identity in time. What does process mean? It means one thing which changes into something else. But that will continue to be. Yes. And then you may but one the, day but come the individual, to a conclusion. But then you've got, then you've got the individual, <laughs> which is the, their past. You, that's what you ask. But you may evolve into an understanding someday that every understanding you had wasn't real. I suspect that's almost certain. So this is possible too? Almost so what certain. are you relying on? The best, I, I'm relying on two things. One is... The, 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 best, the best understanding I have, it's a bit like you when you get in a plane. You know, it's like, it could be an illusion, couldn't it? It could be, you don't understand something. You know, could, 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 you could die. But you just go, look, I've, I train myself up. I learn everything I need to learn. I, 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 I just approach it in the best way I can. And I'm open to the mystery. That feels like a good balance. That both and that you were talking about, which is very precious to me. That you, you, you have your best understanding and you... But you have to experience. Go. There's an experience. Definitely. Definitely. And that experience, is that's all it is, is an experience. Mm -hmm. But it's, I mean, of course, if you got to start talking about it, it's huge. But it's an experience. First and foremost, yeah. First and foremost. Yeah. So in the experiences that you are experiencing, which experience is it that truly reflects your existence? Mm, I would say all of it reflects my existence, but there's an a very that experience that that, that, you, that I think I think it's what you you're talking about, and the one that I write about is the most I would say emergent or the most deep awake experience. It's like there's a there's a level of experience which transcends everything, 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 everything. Yeah. everything. Yeah. death, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that has to be experienced. Yes. And that is the reality. That is the reality. What do you mean by that? Isn't it all reality? No. Oh. It sits at an apex. It's the most real. It is the only thing, according to Kabir, according to all, but, all but, these people. But that was a long time ago. Things have moved on. Well, yeah, but there are certain things that will always be true. Okay. And this is one of them. Okay. That it cannot be created and it cannot be destroyed. It cannot be destroyed. It's always there. It has been, is, and will be. That is its nature. Its nature is reality. Of all things that we perceive to be real is a reflection of that. All that we perceive isn't reality because we too one day have to go. And when we go, we, we will not be sitting in this room anymore. Correct. And we won't be looking out that window and going, gee, when we were there last, that was sunny and so now what, it's raining. Why, why does that make this not real? This is not real in the long term. So permanent. Permanence. Okay. Because that reality is permanent. It doesn't change. See, I, I wonder whether it doesn't change because it has no qualities to change. It doesn't change because it doesn't need to change. It doesn't need to. Yes, it has no leeway left to change. This is perfection. You called it, at one point, something which was so evolved it didn't need to evolve. Exactly. Anymore. Exactly. I wonder 
whether we need to understand e the experience of that in an evolutionary way as well. And it literally is the most evolved thing. We need to evolve. We should evolve. Our brains are triggered to evolve. Yeah. But there is something that doesn't need to evolve. Doesn't need to. Doesn't need, has no need. We need to evolve. We need, I mean, if this bottle, this water bottle is sitting here and it is not accessible to me, say if it's sitting behind this plant yeah. and it's not accessible to me, yeah. I will change its position for my benefit, very okay. simply. And what I have just done is I have evolved. I have just taken it from here, which was in, not accessible, and made it accessible to me. Okay, so if we're evolving, okay, so if there's this, I'm going to present what I think you're saying, and please correct me. Please, <laughs> I'm sure you will. Is, is if there's this, this thing, and I'm very sympathetic to everything you're saying, actually. I um, just want to clarify it. I think I see it slightly differently. Is that there's this um, the thing which is what it is, which is everything. But it's gone through this 14 billion year process, it looks like, in our universe, to arrive at the experience of it through us. That we've, ar we've arisen so we can experience it, and therefore it can experience itself, presumably. Because we are, and that's taken 14 billion years. And it doesn't look like it was programmatic. It looks a bit random to begin with. It becomes programmatic, but it starts, it's pretty chaotic. And so I wonder whether it's more like, it's a more like, to use the old fashioned word, God. It's more like the universe is flowering into God. Rather than it being there and having no needs and all being fully formed, it's like there's a, there's something which could be anything. There's a potential, potential means power, but it's a potential. It's a thing that could be anything which is in the process of becoming this, and then it's arisen as us who are conscious of being, and then through us, we can be conscious of it. And then suddenly you've got it, this beautiful circle where it is now conscious of itself through us as individuals. So the one knows the one through being two. But what would be the need? Don't know, is it, perhaps there's no need. Perhaps it's simply that what the way that reality appears to be is what it is, which is it's the realization of ever new potentials. That's what it is. So something is being driven without a need. I don't think it's being driven by anything. I think it may be just what it is. It is the realization of potential. So, for instance, if there was something 14 billion years ago, and it was perfect, like, you know, you look at sharks, and they, you, you, they may have evolved a little bit, but most people say they've evolved very little. They look, you know, they look because like they didn't need to. Yeah. Well, how can that be? How can that be that they didn't need to evolve? Because their relationship with their ecology was working. So, 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 what if there is something, and that relationship that that thing has with the entire universe, created and non-created, the vacuum, in the space, the fill of hydrogen and dust and everything else, and its relationship was perfect. Indeed, if it was called perfect. What, what does that mean, perfect, to you there? It doesn't need to change. It doesn't age. It is beyond the limits of all that that we don't like and we are enslaved by. Yeah. Because I don't want to change. I don't want to get old. 
But I'm going to get old. It's happening every day, isn't it's it? It's happening every single day. Yeah. I would rather that I remain 21. That was pretty nice age. I could, you know, sign and get a rental car and, 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 and do all those <laughs> things. And, but that's not the way it is. I have been aging. I, I have serious limitations mm -hmm. placed upon me. As free as I want to become of those things, I still have to respect them whether I like them or not. Regardless of what I can tell myself. I mean, you know, there's all these people there, they go, oh, you're only 91 year old young. Well, <laughs> that's a great thing to say. And it's a lovely attitude. And, uh, and I, 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 just, I just have a great time when somebody says that. But the fact of the matter is, the person sits down on the chair and they want to stay seated. And if they get up, they can't sit down. <laughs> right. And they need one of those chairs that assists them to get in, get out. This was not the case at one point in time. So at one point in time, that person probably just, you know, was all over the place and running around here and doing this and doing that. And something has changed. And now, so what's the relationship for you then between this thing which is already perfect and this process of evolution? The relationship is this, that, that this body that I have is a product of the evolution. Yes. That which is... But why the evolution in your... Because nature wants to perfect itself. But I mean right back to the Big Bang, why... why the evolution of the whole universe over 14 long, strange billion years, dinosaurs, all that craziness. Why that if it's already perfect? It's, no, no, that's not. No, perfect. no, no. But if there's a presence which is already perfect, there is a, and that remained perfect. And it's staying perfect. It's there. It's, it's perfect. there. It is perfect. And then it there's drives this, everything. And then there's this kind of all quantum particles, and then matter, and then everything life, else, and then everything is psyche, and then life and, and death, and, and 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 dinosaurs, and dinosaurs, and dinosaurs were an interim stage of us. For sure. Birds, actually, especially. Not only birds, but so many of them re reduced down to lizards. That actually gave so a why, contribution why, to have skin. Why? I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? But why, if, it, if, the, if there's this thing which is unchanging and perfect, what's its relationship with the thing which is... What's the relationship between the being and becoming, to use the old phrases? Okay. Very simple. And no holds barred here, okay? okay? okay. I'm not going to be diplomatic okay. about this. We are a byproduct. Okay. We are a byproduct of this thing right. that is everywhere. Yes. And because of it. And why? Why are we a byproduct? And why, why be, why, what, what use of a byproduct? What, 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 why would you want a byproduct? So, if you've got no needs, especially. That which is perfect doesn't know about this byproduct. It's happened by accident? It is there. It is the wheels turning, the cogs turning, okay. and producing the heat, and producing all the things. And that which is turning it doesn't have any idea. But, the thing, but it's the thing which is animating all of this. Without it, nothing would be animated. But it's not doing it 
volitionally? It is not doing it purposely. No. no. Okay. All right. Absolutely not. Right. I, I agree with so you. So no holds barred. Yeah, I agree that. There. Yeah. And we have to understand that we have the opportunity, and this is getting back to your question yeah. about life. Yeah. We have the opportunity to be able to experience that. Yeah. Okay. Does it have an does it have an opportunity? Does this thing have an opportunity to experience us? No. You see, I think it might be might be more than that. It might be that 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 thing which is everything okay. is experiencing not only being Prem right now and Tim right now, but when you go into that knowing, it's experiencing itself. No. Okay, Tim. I have to admit one thing. Anything is possible. I agree. We're on the same page there. I'm not closing any doors. Right. But what I'm saying is, what do you know? Oh, well, none of this. I mean, I have many, many days sat in a cockpit, and I have looked out the window, and I have said, you know, I'm about to go take off. I'm going to go fly. I certainly don't see anything that's lifting the wings. Yeah. How is this all going to happen? Yeah. And I certainly am sitting here going, I hope everything goes okay. Yeah. I have to be cognizant that the engine could quit, and I have to be ready for it if it's going to quit. Uh, like one time I was coming into Austria, and there was a thunderstorm right in front. There was a thunderstorm like you wouldn't believe. They, in fact, were going to close the airport down. Came in, and I told, I told my co-pilot, I said, tell the tower, in case there's a go-around, we're not going to go straight ahead because that's what the Mr. Proach called for. He said, we're going to make a turn. And he says, fine. There's no traffic. You go ahead and do whatever you have to do. Now, I didn't know that that could happen, that I might have to do a go-around. But these are possibilities. So within reason, I can have possibilities. Also, I could sit there and go, gee, the wings might fall off. I have to say, no, I don't need to go there. Yeah, exactly. So you're I looking for the most plausible, deepest, and especially now. Exactly. Plausible. So, so one, plausible. Of the, one of the things which, the reason, I mean, I'd like to move us on actually, but I'll just say this and just get your response is, one of, the, one of the things which really interests me on the side of the knowing, not the experiencing, is that, okay, there's the experiencing, oh wow, and then there's all of this, and then there's all the body of science which allows you to fly around the world and understand 14 billion years of evolution a bit. What's the, what's the understanding which can knit all of that together and go, all of that is part of one reality? That experience of something which is transcendent and more and all of that. And it looks to me like the evolutionary story is the key. The key is your heart. That's the experience though, right? Both. Okay. Both. Because a heart can give you understanding. I, if what you mean by heart is what I mean by that most emergent part of you, not the thing in your chest, then I think we're saying the same thing. So you're sitting on that hill in Somerset. It's a gorgeous day. You look out and you say to yourself, wow, this is incredible. And the heart says, I agree. Definitely. Definitely. Now get into the realm of the mind and it says, why? 
I don't see it like that, you see. But, but I don't experience I do. I, it like no, that. No, no, but most people do. I, most for me, it's like in this world there's another, there's a, it's like an addition. It's not a subtraction. Yeah, but it's like, wow, most people, what's this? And, and why once, is it here? And once they get into it, once they get into it, this is the point. There's something to be experienced. There's something to be experienced. Definitely. Right? And we should get into that because I, I want to hear okay. you talk about that. Yeah. And that is the crux of it. Yes. Because this is what I offer people. Yes. The experience. Yes. And most people don't come to me and say, can you help me experience it too? I'm not understanding what you're saying. Say again. That experience that you're talking about, yes. I want to experience it too. Right. Can you help me experience it? Yes. But instead they go, why did this happen? Oh, and how I does see. this happen? Oh, and and so they get in, and this is where those knowing so, and experience uh, gotcha. gets traded. So the priorities are wrong. Exactly. Yeah. So the, now the question isn't, yeah. Is mango sweet yeah. and so on? And you, why don't you just taste it? And yeah. you know, it's like, why is it sweet? Yeah. Now, why is it sweet? So, that, so I think you're right. It's the wrong order. It's the wrong order. I completely agree with you. I yeah. mean, absolutely. It's got to start with, you know, don't ask why it's sweet until you've tasted it. And then yeah. you go, wow, that's amazing. What's making that happen? That's, but, but there's a both and there, which you can, you know, there's room for both. But clearly, if you want to experience something you've not experienced before, I mean, Have the okay, so I had this experience. I, yeah. when, I, when I was uh, growing up in Dehradun, we used to have mango trees. And these mangoes were just so sweet, so incredible, that I would eat them. And I mean, I would eat them till I was ready to pop. And I would become stupid almost. And I had to sit down because it was just like, oh my God. So people knew that I liked mangoes. And so wherever I go, somebody, if these mangoes are in season, they'll bring one for me. And I was very thankful that they did, but I would always say, no, no, that wasn't as good as the one in Derrida. Then one day, I found myself in Cuba. And in my hotel room, there was a mango, just one. I was curious, so I picked it up, took a whiff, smelled good, and I proceeded to taste it. And it blew me away. Because it was more sweeter, it was better tasting than any mango up till that point that I had tasted. So does has for you, my, my journey has been, it's felt like it's constantly evolving in terms of knowledge, but primarily in terms of experience. What about you? So you, 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 know, you start, it started very, very young, much younger than me. Most people think I started young, but you started really young. Um, has it evolved? Has it, is it just the same now as it was then? I have evolved. I'm not saying the thing you're experiencing has changed, because right. you said clearly it's changeless, but your experience of the thing. Oh yes, absolutely. In what way? Absolutely. In what way? I'm fascinated to hear about your personal experience of it. For the biggest period of my time, I didn't think 
I had concepts. Right. Right? Right. Me too. I got it. Yeah. yeah. And then I didn't know that these concepts were limiting me. Right. Okay. And when I started to purge myself of these concepts, the whole world changed. Of the limiting concepts? The limiting concepts. Okay. And how did your experience of the thing which always is, how, how would you describe that change and how would you describe it changing? I became more open to it. Okay. And more open to it. Yeah. And more open to it. And that's yeah. my evolution. Right. That I got more open and more open. And it's almost backwards of a marriage. If you will. <laughs> you, okay. you meet a lovely girl and you sit down for hours, you talk about nothing. You know, you realize you, when you're in love, you can talk to that person for hours about absolutely nothing. And then, you know, 30, 40 years of marriage, and you can't even have a conversation for 30 seconds no. <laughs> sometimes. I'm no, not, I mean, I'm not going to go with that because my wife will watch that and it's, we really don't have but that. But there are people, sure. you know, in this, in this predicament and it, it changes. So in that experience, so you're, you're, you're primarily giving people access to this through meditation? It is a way to Focusing. be able to turn inside. Yeah. Yeah, which is yes. what meditation is, really, isn't it? Yeah. In different forms. Well, no. The other day I came across somebody going, you know, focus on the tip of your nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not that. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, has your experience of that going within, is that, it's, it's like, it's, is it both your experience outwardly and inwardly, which has deepened and evolved, would you say? On the outside, I have learned a lot of things. Yeah. But the things that I have learned on the outside, I also forget. There's, there's a, I call it Parushram's curse. There was, there's this character in Mahabharata, and his name is Karan. And he goes to Parushram and he says, Can you please teach me how to fight, how, how to be really, really good? And Parushram says, Okay, I will. But you have to tell me that you are not Kshatriya, which is a caste system. Right. And you're not a Kshatriya. And Karan goes, yeah, yeah, I'm not that. You know, I'm a Brahmin. Uh, please teach me. And the Parushram says, okay, I'll teach you. So one day, Parushram says to Karan, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm really sleepy. I just need to lie down for a little while. Where can I do this? And Karan says, well, why don't you put your head on my lap and feel free? Parushram goes to sleep. A few minutes later, he wakes up and he sees that there's blood everywhere. And he goes, what, what, where's this coming from? What, what, what is this all about? And he sees that a worm has been digging into Karan's flesh and causing him to bleed. And Karan didn't even make a peep. And Parushram goes, you lied to me. You are a Chaitriya. You said you weren't, but you are. And Karan says, I'm really, really sorry. I shouldn't have lied to you. Purushram said, because you did, I will put a curse on you. That which you will need to know the most, when you do, you will forget it. So, there are many, many things that I have learned on the outside here in this world. And when I need it the most, 
I have a tendency to forget. Hmm. On the inside, there is a thing called clarity. It dwells in my heart. And that clarity makes sure that I see me, my relationship to the infinite in the most beautiful and exquisite way that it is. So I have this thing, I don't know if you've, I have this thing which I do with people. I used to do still lead meditation and all that sort of that turning within in various ways. But the thing which I found which astonished me about 20 years ago was to, get, to invite people who want to, to just sit with each other and do what we're doing, look into each other's eyes and to sit there often in silence or music playing for like three minutes and then move on to another person, another three minutes and then another person and another person and another person and another person. And I think there's something about seeing it in yourself and there's something about seeing it when you look at like I'm looking at your face now but the thing I'm connecting with just personally I can't see it it's your psyche it's your soul it's your the thing which is looking back and then to slip into that place where there's one of us looking at itself is such a and and what I see there is the feeling this this what I call big love it's like this enormous which just opens up quite naturally when we connect in that, in that really deep way. With just, and it's experiential. It's like, you know, for me, when I do that, it's like, no, forget all the philosophy now. Just forget all that. Just look in each other. Don't think about it. Just look in each other's eyes and see what's looking back at you. And it's, a, you know, it's like that, that's the way in that I've been playing with for folks. If you understand who you are, it's very easy to understand who you are. If I understand who I am, it's very easy for me to understand who you are. In that deep way. In the deep, deep, deepest, deepest, deepest way because you are no different than I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if nothing else, we may not be surrounded by the same ideas. Exactly. But we are surrounded by the same rules. Tomorrow you will be a day older. So will I. You have a thirst to want to know. You have a thirst in you to want to resolve questions. And I can see that. You've been resolving, trying to resolve a lot of questions. Yeah, I love it. You know? So, I can see that in you. Because I can see that in me. Yeah. Now, what would happen if there was a chimpanzee closely related? <laughs> be interesting. And we were looking into each other's eye. It might, might just attack you. Looking at people's eyes can be very violent too. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like definitely you look into a dog's eyes and oh, like you're beautiful. challenging it. Yeah, yeah, yeah can they, they, can they, they, yeah. they can be very yeah. challenged yeah. by that. So, so and what that's I, an understanding. What I love about it, one of the things I, is, is that the most common thing that people say is, Everyone's so beautiful. <laughs> These are people that were strangers like the day before. And odd people, you know, we're all odd in various ways, aren't we? And suddenly you're just looking at person after person and going, my God, you're just gorgeous. You know, with different ages, types, races, you know, backgrounds, intellectuals, artists, people who aren't doing much, retired people, just kids. That suddenly there's this, 
what I call the individual. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the universe looking back at you. And then there are people who absolutely hate themselves. Yeah, there are. Yeah, I meet a lot of people like that. And when they see another person, all they see is the hate reflected back. Mm. Mm. You know. So yes, that can work. Mm. In Zimbabwe, I was in a prison. Mm. And all these inmates were there and so on and so forth. And some were just really having a beautiful time and understanding things that I was saying. And the other ones, you could see, they were just like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Not yeah. connecting with it. Yeah. Because there has to be a common frame of reference. You know, when somebody talks about water, we have to know what water is. Otherwise, it's like, I don't know what you're talking that's about. That's the key. That's the key. Yeah. I really think that's right. Yeah. And, and if it's like, if I'm talking with someone about these things, like we're talking, it feels easy if you know the other person has got some idea of what you're saying. Yeah. It's like the mango again. It's like you yeah. don't have to talk. If you go, it's sweet, it's enough. Oh, like that, I got it. Sure, sure. And that, so that feeling of that love and that oneness and that communion and, yes. the, and that beauty. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you if, if you would indulge me, I want to ask you about, you've led this incredible life. And I read your other book about your life. And you grew up in Derridun, which was funnily enough, my father was in Derridun. During, mm. after the war as part of the Raj before it went. So I grew up hearing stories of Dara Dunn, which he loved, and so it's a kind of mythic place for me. And then you came across here at Glastonbury Festival. You were 12, something, yes. I don't know, young, 71. And I know people who were there, and two people who I knew were at the festival, who became followers then of, of you. Mm. And I, I look at you now and I look at you then there's big change. And I'm wondering, well, the real question I've, I, I, that I wonder, just as someone who's interested in human beings, is what was happening for you then? When you're on the big stage, and not, not at Glastonbury Festival, but all of that period of your life, where you're being seen in this way as this, you're projecting that, really, of this divine being, and now here we are having a chat and I'm talking to you. It's like, what was happening for you when you were, all of these people were adoring you? And it's like, what's that like? What, what was inside you and why did you change it? Well, the adoration has to be not for me. The adoration has to be for the infinite in them. But it was being directed very much at you. Of course. And I realized that that is transitory. Something happens and that goes away. That's not my point, that I had come to get adored. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking for, by the way guys, you know, I'm looking for some adoration here and you can go ahead and adore me. No, I wanted them to have a incredible fulfilling experience in their life because I truly understood that this life is an opportunity to experience something, to know the self and to experience the divine. And they need to do that. So when it was happening for you, I mean, you're young, I mean, what, 
teens and twenties. And it was a different time, obviously. What, what, what is, what is, did, how did you see yourself? Did you see yourself in the way that you projected yourself? Or did, is, it, is it something which you woke up from in yourself and just went, what am I saying? This is, this is not the way to go with this. Or was it something... That... No, the saying never changed. The saying stays the same. What changed was this. I had just come from India. And literally everybody... And, and it was also the period of time where it was like, look towards the East for answers. It was definitely so was. I was the perfectly situated for that. Right. Here I had come from the East and I'm the young boy who has come with this message and everything else. And we will sort this out by literally taking on a part of a behavior that had nothing to do with knowing yourself. Yeah nor it had anything to do with experiencing the divine. Yeah. It was literally Indian religion. Yeah. And I said, this has got to go. Because we have to respect every religion, every human being, the way they want to be. We are not going to impose how they should be, how they should behave. This is up to them. Let's give them the information Let's give them the knowledge of the self and they will make the decisions that they need. So, so I, think, I think the question I'm trying to get, that was beautifully put. I really admire that immensely. It reminds me of Krishnamurti. <laughs> Do you know Krishnamurti? Yes, yes. Yes, so it reminds me of his story in a way, that same kind of being prepared to be the, the saviour and then going, no, I'm doing something else. Um, I guess the question I want to, is like when I, I was watching some videos from that time when I was reading after I read your book, and looking at the difference and thinking, that's interesting, that journey that you've made, a huge journey. At that time, did you believe your own hype or not? I believed in my heart. I mean, about the, you know, the, no. the, the whole perfect master and all the, the Look, Lord of the universe. And... I had to go to school every day. No, I mean, when you were here, here, when you were here. No, no, but in India too. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. already yeah, of course. hailed as a perfect master. Okay. And... I had to go to school. Right. And I was no perfect master in school. Right. right. So already this duality existed ah. where you could be and you couldn't be. Okay. So I come out, I come home. I'm not a perfect master. My mother is telling me, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, do this, do this, do right, this. Right, do right, this. Right. I go in on weekends or on school holidays out there and there's thousands of people cheering and going, yeah, 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 of course you are. And I'm just like, well, which one is it? Is yeah. it that one or is it that one? Yeah. See, and I realized I had to be me. And say more. I wasn't a student, nor I was the perfect master. Right. But I was a master. Right. Okay. That talked about perfectness. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. And I said, I need to take this message of peace to everyone. Yeah. No holds barred. What are the limitations? What makes you do that? I mean, it's so it's admirable. I mean, you, you seem to work incredibly hard. You've affected a huge number of people's lives. 
what is it that makes you do that? It comes from the heart. Yeah, it's the experience itself. And the strength to do it comes from the heart. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Not the logic. Mm. The logic, you start looking at it and go, oh, look at that terrible article. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I mean, do you realize how many people were lying openly on those newspapers saying, oh, he does this, he does this. Yeah. None of it was true. Yeah, that must be horrible. I knew that. That must be horrible. But where does the courage come? Because it takes courage to say, no. Yeah. I'm going to brush that aside. That's yeah. not real. Yeah. We need to do so much of that today because there's so much misinformation. Yeah. And we all, as human beings, not be in this dire threat of wars being created by world, quote-unquote, leaders, we need to have the courage to bring out peace. We need the courage to bring out the best in every human being. That's what has to happen. Otherwise, none of this stuff makes sense. Well, I think that about hits it on the head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's anything you want to add, but that, that felt like such a powerful idea to express, a feeling to express, and one yeah, that I... Uh, Otherwise, otherwise, what is the point of all this evolution, literally? Because to me, if I can bring the best out in another human being... No, I feel the same. I just feel the same. Then I've done something. And really there is something about that experience. Because for me, the same. I mean, I've done all crazy things, really, and none of it's made any sense. In so many ways in the world, it not made any sense. But once you've touched it, it's so beautiful that you just want to serve that and anything and that's why I say it feels like we're evolving into that that this maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part I'm open to that I, I'm quite, I can easily fool myself but it, part of the feeling that all the clarity that seems to arise for me is we're evolving into this where this is becoming more and human being look how we you know we are not the same we're not Vikings and killing each other in marauding bands so much, by a long stretch, we have moved a long way. And, if, and what if the next jump that you couldn't imagine is into the very experience you're talking about? If, as if that we can, we can turn into this, the individuals is the word I use, the individuals who are conscious of that thing which is in everything and how that changes the well, relationship. To put it in layman's term, <laughs> Just in simple, simple. Yeah, yeah, I love simple. Each action. human being has the potential to bring the best out in the other person. Yeah. As we have the potential to bring the worst out in the other person, and we have already tried that many, many times, and you can see what's happening in Ukraine yeah. and everything else. You know, in, in those days uh, when they were Vikings and so on, so they, they, were, they were killing, they were looting, they were doing this and that, the massive scale of looting people now is unparalleled. It's unparalleled. And sometimes the, the Vikings would get tired, so they would take a little break. Now this is 24-7. I mean, all of a sudden your bank account is gone. You know, uh, somebody did something and somebody did something and some, I mean, it's just all the time. You look at all this weird news and it's the poor people. And they are not getting the chance to come forward. 
When you look at how few people there are that are dying because of the lack of food that we could easily, easily take care of, easily take care of. But why is it that we're not doing it? We need to, for maybe for the first time in the history of evolution, push the evolution in the direction of peace. You know, you know, you know I mean, I completely agree, obviously. I, the, you know, I want that to happen. But I also think it's, it is happening because actually we've reduced over the last 40 years poverty beyond, I mean, there's never been a time in history where there's been so little poverty, so little war. I mean, we, we have moved forward immensely, you know. And, and often you watch the news and you'd think it was the opposite. But if you actually look at the statistics, there's some fantastic work done by people like um, Rosling, uh, where you can really, it's like we have moved so far. If we can no. carry that on. We definitely have done some incredible things. I mean, we have eradicated some diseases and we have- We really have. Used, tried. Yeah. But the point of it is people are still suffering. That's very true. I was just in these countries. Yeah, I was in course. India, I was in South Africa, I was in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe. Yeah. And we really need to pull together collective understanding yeah. to make this a better world. Yeah. I mean, we decide politically, we decide on based on news which countries are going to get help and which countries matter and which yeah. countries don't matter. There are people that maybe they're not suffering because there's lack of food or lack of clean water, but they're suffering because of something else. Yeah, yeah. And suffering is suffering. Yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah. rich countries suffer. Uh, everyone's suffering. Exactly. Know. So, yeah, this is, this is wonderful. I mean, if this message gets out and people make that you know, even if one person makes that change. I love that about the, you, you know, saying it's, you, it's, it's the individual. Yeah. If you can change the individual, yeah. then, and, and yeah, that's what you're doing. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> Still trying. <laughs> Good for you. When did you start? How many years has it been? Well, I started speaking about peace when I was four years old. I've seen the photo of that. So, Amazing photo. And I was nine years old when I started, uh, when my father passed away and I took over this responsibility. Wow. Well, it's been a, a real delight. Thank you so much for sharing this time and your feeling Thank and you. thoughts. It's Thank been you. a real... Thank you. Thank you. Thank it's you. been great. Thank you.